and welcome to Galley Stories, stories of the Bering Sea and beyond, hosted by Mark Kaler. My name is Penka Jane, podcast deckhand and longtime listener. We'd thank you to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. Here's today's catch. Hello guys, and welcome back to another installment of Galley Stories, stories of the Bering Sea and beyond. I am your host, Mark Kaler. Today we've got quite a treat, actually. We've got the Salmon Sisters with us. Most of uh, our listeners will know who they are uh, because uh, most of you are in the industry or connected to it. Some may not, but hopefully by the end of this interview, you're going to know them very well. So we have uh, Claire and Emma. How are you guys today? Great. Thank yeah. you for having us, Mark. It's yeah. a pleasure to be here. Well, thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. Um, you've listened to some of the episodes before, so you know what you're getting into. So let's start at the very beginning. Where were you guys born at? Mm. <laughs> Well, we were born, Claire was born in Juneau, um, and I was born in Wenatchee, Washington, but headed out to Alaska really very soon after we were both born, so um, we, our parents bought a homestead in the Aleutian Islands near False Pass, and so I think we were probably weeks old when we were both take, carried out on the plane, <laughs> the Penn airplane, um, and that's where we grew up. Yeah, the homestead is right across from False Pass. It's like three miles by Skiff. And we, my dad had been sailing in Southeast, um, and then my mom had to come up to work at a lodge. They met in Seattle, um, and he ended up out there one summer and fell in love with the Aleutians, and then they found um, the homestead in like a caretaker's gazette and decided to take a complete chance did it, moved out there, and then we were born shortly after. And our dad was set netting when we grew up as kids. Um, and we spent a lot of time on the homestead with my mom, who was running the show there. And then eventually, my dad started to drift, and that was our first kind of responsibility as crewmen. I mean, we would be sent out for a couple weeks at a time, and all we would do is like make brownies pick fish, pick kelp, and just hang out. We'd get stuck, like, left on tenders when the weather was really bad, um, and we would just stay on the south side for those summers. And then eventually when we were mm, probably, like, 14, 15, that was our first, like, actual responsible stay until the end until we had to go to school, and we would gill net with our dad and then long line for hell, but after um, he was finished. And we did that. Um, all throughout until the end of college we had that same routine like we'd live in Homer in the winter eventually my parents gave up homeschooling they're like we have exceeded what we can do with you two and we needed a little like more social I don't know in friends in general and Homer was a good place where the majority of our peers were kids from the bush from mostly like Bristol Bay um, who eventually had come in to find a good place for their kids to go to school they would go out and fish um so that was kind of our routine. We would go to school in Homer, take the ferry out, be at the homestead all summer, fish with our dad, and nothing really changed throughout entire, like, paid for our college that way. Um, continued, continued. Yeah, it was good. It was great. Was it a great childhood being raised that way? Yeah, it was It was awesome childhood. I mean, thinking back is pretty much the coolest way to grow up. It's so... that being out in the Aleutians is so remote. Like Claire and I had each other as friends. There are some young people in the village, but like, you know, we got across in the skiff when the weather was nice, but it was, you know, in the winter time, sometimes that was like once a month. And so, um, 
yeah, our family was really close just because kind of by nature we had to be and work together. And then the summers are just amazing out there. It's like such an abundant landscape. And we spent most of our time, before we were old enough to fish, we spent most of our time on the beach with our mom. So we would smoke, we had our subsistence net and she would set it right out in front of the house. And so we'd like most days we'd go pick fish out of the net with her and then bring them back. And she had a big smokehouse. And so she, and she learned how to smoke salmon from the Aleut people in the village. So she would spend, we would pretty much spend the whole summer just putting up fish for the winter. Um, and if we weren't doing that, we were uh, working in the greenhouse because just we had playing. to, yeah, just, just trying yeah. to grow stuff, trying to grow food. <laughs> um, what, what was your closest neighbor when you guys were yeah. growing up and on the homestead? That would be in the village, like across the pass. Mm -hmm. um, and there were, when we were there as kids, they were only around like 35 to 40 around residents. But the school was open. Um, and going to school was the huge treat. Like when we got to get over there in the morning and get to go to class with everyone. Um, How did you get, you had to take a skiff? Yeah, right? I took a skiff. So was your dad running you to school every day and then picking you back <laughs> up, or how did that work? Once in a long while. Yeah, it was, we, had a to we had a tiny, we had a Tolman skiff, like open, and we would go over um, when the weather was predicted to be nice, and then Get, they'd get us up to school in like our four wheeler and be left there for the day. And then parents would take care of all their stuff in town, um, and then we'd grab us after school and we'd go home. Mm -hmm. And same for like we get mail that often. All our groceries would come up from coastal from Seattle like twice a year. My grandparents and the rest of my mom's family lives around the area and would shop for us and send it up. Um, so yeah, a lot of time on the homestead and town was definitely a big treat to go to. Mm -hmm. Did that did that bring you guys closer because you had no other peers to play with, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and then working together from a young age, um, we were able to like have all the trust and all the skill to like do what we do now together. But definitely, my dad had a lot of very patient crewmen dealing with two <laughs> like middle school and high school girls on board, and we would share a like job mostly, um, and. We were cut a lot of slack, both get super seasick and would be like, one of you can go in and sleep or like one of you can cook um, and had like a few very, very, very to this day, like family, friend, peer, crewmen who taught us everything we know. Um, and we're never exactly like given a lot of special treatment due to like the area we were fishing, like you were there for the whole time. Um, or especially long lining, we're lucky we're able to like acquire a little bit of quota when we were younger. And so like knowing the responsibility of having to be there and finish out the season and all the things before school started. Um, yeah, we like learned so much so early on. And honestly, our crewman skills have not really advanced since we were <laughs> like younger. <laughs> Good. What, what were some of the, what were some of the things you did for entertainment when it was just the two of you? Yeah, I mean, most of the time we would just be, like, pick, we'd go on a hike and pick berries when we were at home um, in the summertime. That is that is what we do for fun still, but it's yeah. <laughs> kind of best thing to do in the summer. Otherwise, just, like, hiking, going on walks. Um, riding our bikes on boardwalks yeah, and the docks bikes. in town. Um, yeah. Doing art projects. We, we did a lot of art projects. You know, our parents had to keep us busy. We'd just play outside. They would just 
we'd all be, you know, winter days, you get cooped up inside in a, like, pretty small house, and they'd just, like, get outside, <laughs> go entertain yourselves. <laughs> so not this past summer, but yeah. the previous summer I spent in Falls Pass. Oh, yeah. wow. And, <laughs> so uh, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. a beautiful place. But, you know, uh, everybody refers to the bear count as being yeah. more than right. the population right. of the town. Yeah. So yeah. was that ever a concern for you guys? Yeah. yeah. Every day. Anywhere you would go outside the like just tiny perimeter of the homestead, my mom would carry a shotgun. Mm -hmm. Um and yeah, we always had dogs. Everyone was very bear aware. Mm -hmm. Um and yeah, there are problem bears but like we're taken care of and yeah, our mom is a very, very, very strong, independent, resilient person and has had to deal with a lot while we are on the boat fishing, um, mm -hmm. and our family's like always fishing, and so she was managing the homestead and keeping it up and doing everything. Um, yeah, there's a lot of bears, as you know. Yeah, lots right. and lots yeah. and part lots of, of bears. Part of daily life. Yeah. I mean, it's just a consideration at all times. So yeah. it's like, well, like we have a smokehouse, but it's up on huge, like you know, ten foot pile, or I don't know, fifteen foot pile, yeah, so that out. bears yeah. can't get to it. Or it's like you have fish around all the time, but you have to be really careful about leaving scraps out mm -hmm. and just being really vigilant because we've had, you know, we've had some problem bears come through and like getting into the house or just like, you know, trying to just making sure you're safe because they don't, you know, they're around and when their cubs are with them, it's just mm -hmm. not a great situation. Yeah. A lot of us that don't, haven't spent near as much time up there as you guys have, have had that bear encounter. Yeah. And can you give us a particular one that maybe scared the bejesus out of you? <laughs> oh, well, one stuck in my mind is that we were coming home from the village in the skiff and, and then there was a, there were bears on the beach in front of the homestead, which hadn't really happened. And it was odd to be the person who's like coming back to like that situation and not having like a firearm with you. And I just remember like, yeah, our dad like banging on the skiff a ton and we let like dogs out and like got it, got them out, but mostly just being incredibly like thinking about it at all times while outside like the general house mm -hmm. or our little front of beach. Um, yeah, and that particular time, I remember we had a box of chicks that we picked up at the post office and, like, all of our little, like, homestead things, and there are these bears, and you're like, ugh, I just want to, like, <laughs> Let's go home. do my little, yeah, our things, but, yeah. What was your favorite food? Oh, I think blueberries. Or just berries, <laughs> salmon berries. Yeah. That was special. I loved treat. also octopus, because it's kind of a fun, I mean, we would go down low tide they would live under the rocks on the beach and so it was always like a really special harvest so you would you know there's like certain rocks that they made as their homes and so Claire and my mom and I would go down and look for them when the tide was low in the mornings and when you found one and we wouldn't often take them home when we saw them we just like to like know that they were there but then you know once every couple months we would grab one and take it home and they're just so amazing and then we would usually make like octopus patties with them or um like octopus burgers or like an octopus ceviche salad or something like that and yeah it's really fun to eat fun food so, that sounds pretty cool yeah. yeah it's good but definitely grew up on like box milk canned green beans fish <laughs> and then on the boat just like a rotation of we knew how to make ramen and we knew how to open a can of raviolis like we could feed ourselves when everyone <laughs> else was working like being inside just like ah doing our little thing so it yeah. sounds like you got to spend a lot of time with your parents. Yeah. How's that connection? Great. We I definitely took it for granted. 
Um, and now as young adults realizing how well we, we work together and know the communication needed and how to like, how to do it as a family and what, yeah, it's a special, special like dance as we all know, like from fishing families, like how you need to, the end result has to happen. And then how do you work backwards from all of that? And now we are both married and our husbands fish as part of like our family's fishing operation. And it has just been um, a lot of patience, a lot of layers on layers of learning how to do it with one another. Um, But we're lucky we started from such an early age where we work well together. We work well for, with our parents and our mom fished forever before we were big enough to go on the boat. Um, So she understands like all of the roles and yeah, our dad is a great fisherman, a great person, a great communicator. We understand, <laughs> like, if he says one thing, we understand exactly what it means or how to help or how to, like, continue to, like, share that information with the rest of the crew or, like, what, yeah, how to mm-hmm. do it all pretty darn well. So dad's still fishing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, <laughs> the most recent thing we did together was in October, we were trying to catch the rest of our halibut. Emma got married um, in early September, or late September, which kind of like threw our whole fall off in the best way, but we couldn't catch all our fish before, so we had to go back out, and yeah, we just finally left the boat in King Cove like two and a half weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was long fall. Yeah. Long summer. (laughs) Long, long Most people think at this point that you're you're running a very successful business and forgetting the fact that you're spending all this time still on the water actively doing it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. our routine hasn't changed since day one. Um, We are fortunate. Like the one kind of thing that has let us work and grow our business is that I have tendered for the last five summers in Prince William Sound um, instead of seining or gill netting. And so with the LTE service there, it's very easy to like run our business from our wheelhouse and with downtime tendering. Um, and then Emma has saned for those last five years that we've had like salmon sisters for our dad. Um, and then this summer moving back from Prince William Sound to the Aleutians, like Emma didn't have cell phone. I mean, other than like in reach or finding at the mess hall somehow once in a while for like the entire summer and we were able to continue to run the business, but then we long line every fall, um, but have number one, will not give up the fishing portion so the business will grow and morph around that and our availability. And both of your husbands fish. Yeah. Correct. And they fished when you met them. No. Or, or did you bring them into the business? Yeah. <laughs> How did this work? Claire, I met my husband Peter at the University of Vermont randomly. We were in the same dorm and he's from a farm in Minnesota um, and had never been on a boat. I mean, he might have been on a boat once, but he came, up, he came up with us like the last year of last summer before college and then seined in area m that year and they caught like enough fish to put in a brailer bag and he's like what is this um but stuck with it and it's his passion he's on the boat probably around 300 days a year oh yeah well, working with your dad? No, he or? runs our family's boat, the Halcyon, now. And so okay. we tender in the summer together at Prince William Sound, and then he runs it for cod 
um, most of the winter and then does black cotton hell. So from too. a Minnesota farm to yeah. running the boat, and he married work. into it. Yeah, <laughs> he puts us all to shame with he his does. work ethic. It's, it's insane. Amazing. And what about yours? Yeah, yeah, Jacob. I met Jacob when he had moved to Kodiak, but he's from Louisiana. So he, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so he's been fishing since he got to Alaska. But I think right when we met, he had actually started. A friend of ours convinced him to go cod fishing with him and ended up on the same boat as Claire's husband, Peter. And so they became friends. And then that's kind of how we started seeing each other. And he's been uh, cod fishing since then on the boat with Pete. So And now has his own operation. Yeah, so. and we bought a um, gill netter in the Copper River in Prince William Sound last year. So he, that's what he does in the summers. So he's Excellent. on the boat a lot too. And then, yeah, we spend some of the winter months in Seattle when, when we're not fishing. That's, yeah, good home base. What she had said that you moved to the uh, back out to the Aleutians, or, or is that just temporary? Yeah, I, Claire, Peter and I have a home in on Alaska now. We split our time. He's there a couple of days a year, honestly, on land. But it's been huge for our boat's crew rotation and just quality of life and having a home and being able to, like, we're having Christmas there with all of our crew this year. Um, And that came from mainly, like, realizing we wanted to live where we were fishing, and that is Peter's passion, and he's on the boat all year, and we missed the Aleutians, because I live in Homer the rest of the year, um, and missed just having boats stream in and out in front of your window all day and knowing the weather and being part of it all and it's a neat way that like I can be part of their fishery in the winter by just being in the same spot. So what what happened to the farms or the homestead? Yeah mm-hmm. around five years ago as we talked about we moved to Prince William Sound my dad was like looking to retire but looking for a new fishery and he had not sained um, and we were had another boat that was going to tender so we as a family moved there and my parents sold the homestead to a couple who he's a contractor and they're from actually South Carolina. Um, but they are there now every summer um, and big bring a big group of people up and take care of the homestead and fish, sport fish a lot around the area um, and are involved in the village a little bit. And then um, it is empty and boarded up um, in the winters. So that has been five years of that at this point, and it is the worst driving through the pass and seeing it, but also... I was going to ask. It's <laughs> heartbreaking, but at the same time, it's incredible to be back out there. And, mm-hmm. like, you could talk a little bit about your summer, but... It's yeah, good. we were out there all summer staining, and it was... Yeah, it's hard It's hard going through the pass and not being able to go, like, tie up at the mooring buoy and go home for the night and take a sauna. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, man, that sounds so nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's there and it feels, you know, it's like so amazing to go through there and spend time there because the landscape and the place is just, I think when our family goes back, um, just being out there feels like home. So the place itself, you know, it's not just, it's nice to, it's also, I would say we had such a fun summer out there because we were able to, we didn't go home every time we had a closure, we would go explore, like we would go anchor up Mm -hmm. in different bays and try to get off the boat and there's so much out there it's so mad like so wild and magical and you feel like no one's seen it before so i have to imagine you guys yeah. have a huge collection of the japanese glass ball. <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 when we grew up gill netting we go up to the north side later in the season and beach combing up there i mean the as everyone knows it goes up to tokyo yeah. and like all that those beaches we'd like take a four-wheeler up and a little trailer and crazy incredible beach. beach combing mm-hmm. yeah it's 
I know we haven't ever found a way to like put them into something like a mural or anything, but we're the family that has, yeah, cartons of them like outside <laughs> yeah. our front what's, door. What's or the, like... And you guys can Google what these are. Yeah. But uh, what's the biggest one that you found? And was it We've netted? never found a big one. Oh. Ever. We've only found the small, like that one. Because yeah. some of them are like really huge. like a yep. huge yeah. a foot in diameter, you yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah, we find the ones we always love to find are that they're kind of oblong. They like um, look like little, like water bottles, but they're and then they have two. Yeah, the two ends. Two ends. We've only found a couple know. before, but yeah, they're, they're so special. Cool. Different. They look like little rolling pins. Yeah, they they, exactly. they are yeah. special. Oh, really so cool. much history there. Yeah. So, do you see yourselves, Emma and Claire, when it's time to have children? Do you see yourselves spending time yeah. in remote Alaska with those kids? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is perfect time of year. Great, we're like starting to have those conversations, and we're very, very lucky that we have like our parents' support, and we know how to like fish camp life is like seasonal life. Moving around Alaska, fish camp kids are very like we know how to do that. Um, I'm fortunate where. Like having kids tendering seems like a great, great situation. Um, and then it will be interesting to see how our our year-round fishing schedule changes with kids and what time is spent, yeah, out in the Aleutians, mm-hmm. most likely the majority of the summer, and then deciding like school between we were homeschooled um, and then eventually went to Homer for school, but how school will come into play with it all. But... We were very, very fortunate with the upbringing we were given and definitely would like to um, pass that on to the next generation, but it might be a little different just with being the next generation, Mm -hmm. like having our parents have built their fishing business that we are now part of, and it'll be interesting to see what opportunity is available for the next generation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would, I mean, we had the coolest childhood out there, and Thinking about doing that, I mean, we're the same age that our parents were when they moved out there, and it seems like that, like, it's kind of funny to think about because, like, it's a big risk, and you're leaving a lot of things behind. Like, you're leaving, you know, we've, like, you have your fishing community out there, but there are not many people. You have, like, this amazing place to raise kids in. You, you know, your kids learn really valuable lessons about just like life. <laughs> like, well, you know, I imagine you guys learned to uh, yeah. fillet fish pretty young. Yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> that was a, definitely one of the skills you need to know. Um, I just love the idea of having those, like that be a priority, flying a salmon. You know, that's, yeah. a, that's a life skill that I find very important. It is. <laughs> you mentioned um, tendering life, and, yeah. and that would be perfect for kids. And, and Homer, do you guys know Cameron Hagen? Yeah. So his, he's that guy. He, yeah. They are him the and Grace are example. that guy. His yeah. Grace ran Salmon Sisters for two summers when we were out fishing, mm-hmm. and she was home with our first babies, and she is a powerhouse. She ran the whole show. Mm-hmm. She did a phenomenal job. And, no, they're doing it. And along with them, there are all these young Homer families who are just inspirational. Mm-hmm. And it's been really fun to watch. Like, okay, wow, holy cow. And we have a lot of young friends in Kodiak, too, and just watching – them raise families and in the bay you're just like wow their social media is super entertaining (laughs) i mean they they get such good pictures of those little kids the kids are so cute well you know i think one one was uh 
filleting a salmon, or yeah. at least looked like he, you know, was filleting the salmon, blood all over, and maybe yeah. two and a half years old, yeah. you know? Yeah, totally. So they pulled up in a knack-knack, and here's these three kids all hanging in the window yeah. of the wheelhouse, you know, and yeah. and they're, they're doing it. They're so, doing it. And I think mm -hmm. that in our industry, especially historically, that's the best way, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. No, our parents had so much patience. They did it with us, and mm -hmm. we can rise to the occasion and create the environment needed to do it again. Mm -hmm. That's exciting. Mm -hmm. Ready for the next like challenge, kind of our chapter. Um, how about how about some some fear that you've had when you've been out? Mm. <laughs> Often. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would say growing. So I think maybe that's the nice thing about growing up um, fishing with your family is that you you really understand either like where your captain's going to take you and what kind of conditions it will be in, and like understanding the person running the boat and. Um, what trust in them. Yeah, like yeah. how to... I feel like that would be really difficult working for a new captain, just like understanding what right where their boundaries are and so that you feel comfortable or you or you have to prepare to not feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. um, so I think we've been lucky in that way, fishing with our families, that even if it's like terrible weather and we, you know, we feel seasick or we're out on the back deck and things don't look good, it's... Like, you don't feel like your life's in danger. No, you can't. That would you be can't. such a waste of energy. Right. And, yeah, you're just, like, mitigating risks. Yeah. This is the reality. There's no stress or worry or, like, being scared. It's just like, well, okay. Mm -hmm. Complete trust in them. Uh, we just need to make the, the situation work, work and do yeah. the work. Um, and have always just, like, risen to the occasion yeah. of that. But definitely working for our, like, husbands or dads has been like, oh, totally trust. Great. Yeah, I think the, where the fear comes in for me, at least, is thinking about, like, when my husband Jacob's out on the boat in the winter, cod fishing, and knowing that they're in really shitty weather, yeah. and just, you know, not, you know, I know that they don't tell us the bad parts, but it's None just, no, it's <laughs> just knowing yeah. that they're doing it and out there, um, I think it's worse, it's, right, it's worse when it's someone you care about, mm -hmm. I don't really think when we're in bad situations, it's we don't really fine. care. <laughs> but right. when they're yeah, yeah out there, you're around. When it's you and you're dealing yeah, with it. You're just getting through it. Mm -hmm. but yeah. yeah. Just a lot of trust and like, yeah. Um, it's hard when you're the one at home and like learn about, you don't really, it's not helpful to learn about the terrible situation. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah you're diving, there's lying in the wheel and it's Christmas day. Like, ooh. <laughs> yeah. I'm so sorry. Like, <laughs> we have to continue I'm to lead our lives. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you, you love this and this is your choice. And, yeah, we're lucky we have our business in the winter or year-round to, like, pour our, like, creative energy into. Mm -hmm. um, and, and there is a lot of creative energy there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Does that come yeah. from the crafting that your mom had you doing when you oh, were? Oh, yeah. You know, that's I mean, where does this stem point. from? That's a good point. I think our, yeah, our parents are really creative in their own ways. My mom had a little sewing business when she lived out in Falls Pass. She would buy huge reams of fleece and make, um, like, jackets and fleece pants for fishermen. She'd sell them in the Peter Pan stores. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, like, just spending time out there, it was all about being creative, whether it's like fixing something, something is going wrong, being resourceful. And then when Claire and I were growing up, like our homeschool program was really just like draw oh, We picture. didn't learn. Go and, like yeah. paint these loopings <laughs> on learn. the hill. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. like here's a fish, let's put, oh, yeah. let's put like put some paint on it, make a t-shirt, you know, that sort of thing. So 
that was always very normal for our our lives and then um and then downtime on the boat yeah we have from I think just being kids on the boat and keeping yourself busy and having your little projects or like knowing when your parents are working like you're quote-unquote working um our friends this is uh, random bar friends from Kodiak were telling us that like their their son is like four or five and they have him on the boat and like when dad is working like he is working like he has a little project and that was like yeah that's exactly how we were raised and I think that is why Sam and Sisters exists in one way it's just like the downtime um once like responsibility on the boat is filled um we're just good at like making use of it Mm -hmm. staying busy or like using all the place the surrounding um and creating something out of it and I think that's we're very lucky that like growing up in the Aleutians and all those coastal communities like what we think is the most beautiful and worthy to share someone else might look at it and be like oh it's just like a pile of crab pots or like a boat (laughs) in King Cove that's been on the beach for four ten years or like something like that and I think just being um in awe and have so much pride in the places has led to a lot of that just creative like really wanting to share for the people who also identify with it and know how important it is where do you see the future it's a big one yeah (laughs) yeah I mean, I think we we have always prioritized fishing because yeah. we love that, and it seems more and more important as we get older that like being spending time on the water with people that we love is what we need to be doing with our time, um, and just feeling that connection to the place is really important. So wherever we fish, it's just I can't imagine a a thing I'd rather be doing for work. Just being able to be on the water and understand where your food's coming from and like working with your body outside mm-hmm. is pretty yeah. pretty much the most fulfilling thing I can think of and then having that work also inspire another you know our business is just it seems really natural and it's working really well so and to do it together is really amazing um you guys seem to get along really well <laughs> yeah, yeah we have very complementary skill sets yeah. like I cannot accomplish anything inside of our small business that Emma can And so we have a lot of respect for, like, the office, (laughs) the differences, and kind of been able to divide and conquer. And I will contribute a lot of, like, our business's success to, we have just, like, duplicated one another. Like, have the same brain, same, like, gut reactions to things, like, values. So it's been very easy to, you don't even have to explain why. It's like, no. So one of you has to have the majority of the creative side. uh, (laughs) Emma's got that. That was quick. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Right. But I think our... Claire's a very creative mind. It's just the um, <laughs> the design. <laughs> yeah, the, right. The products and the design. Yeah, exactly. Stick seagulls. <laughs> like, Ugh. yeah, yeah. I, that's what I love doing, and the yeah, the part I can contribute to my business. Claire has pretty great business sense, and so I think our skills are like yeah, very complementary. Um, and we have an awesome team who helps us with all that. So yeah. Yeah, it's been and great. And we've done every, all the jobs. Like, we just mm-hmm. started from the bottom um, and did it all. And so it's a pretty, we, like, people, I think, think Sam and Sisters is a lot bigger than it is. Like, we have, including Emma and I, like, five full-time people. Um, and we're all throughout, like, all, <laughs> it's all remote. Um, and our team does a phenomenal job as we um, are gone in the summer. And, like, we're learning to respect those boundaries of, like, 
No, you might be able to somehow get in the crow's nest and find service and send that one email, but like, is it really? Like, you can't do it all. Let them take um, care of it. Yeah, and honoring the time on the boat, and it might not be perfect. Like, what was completed or set or done, or like what you would exactly do. But we've spent a lot of time to trip together to try to like impart every. <laughs> it's so hard, like everything about our industry and values and why these things are so important and special to us um, and so that we can be present on the water because that's like the most amazing thing about commercial fishing is that you can be present in your work and in these places with these people and it's taken us a while to learn that Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah our team is small and funny and good and we're very fortunate that we've prioritized being in the boat Uh, where was the inception? When did, when did we decide? Uh, yeah. Well, we're talking <laughs> we, about the business side. Sure. It was sort of right after I was about to graduate from college. Emma's a year behind me, and I was just nervous about being done with school. And I'm like, through a business program, like all of my peers were going to work for, like their uncle's law firm or like their accounting da da da. And we knew um, our personalities. Like we needed a project or something to do in the off season as we were just fishing in the summer. Um, And then we, it was a funny timing where we had so much pride of like the place we were fishing in our community and didn't really have like a physical representation of that to like carry with you like on the dock or in the off season. Um, And Emma was taking a screen print class and she had like all of her artwork from the previous summer uh, of different fish and different things. And then we just created one design for ourselves and like our immediate fishing community and the women in it and then it just took off yeah Yeah, we had a little there's like that etsy website Mm -hmm. where you can put you know make stuff and put posts whatever you have on there at that point it was like pretty arts and crafts yeah it's like cards and one (laughs) shirt um so we had that at first and people you know we were just giving we had that rockfish design um that we were just giving away for christmas presents and then people yeah, just our, like, fishermen our age were really um, excited about having something to wear that represented what they caught or what they did and kind of just took off really naturally. And once we felt that, you know, that positive feedback just started making more, yeah, more artwork that represented what we did and what people could be proud of and wear. And then it was like, oh, I was you know in Machu Picchu and I saw a girl wearing a <laughs> mermaid That's tank top cool. and <laughs> we're like you must be from Alaska so those like those m- stories were just like what everyone's so proud to be a fisherman and mm-hmm. you know it's really it was at the beginning just a really cool way to connect the community and it's still it's become a really cool platform to have yeah women in the industry and young people just have a place to find each other meet each other mm-hmm. and um, yeah, we're just proud to be part of the community. So yeah, and along with like the apparel, we started selling a little bit of fish, and then just the incredible um, response we got from people who need, wanted that direct connection and just the premium product worked pretty naturally in tandem with the apparel, um, and we just learned as we went. Um, a lot of, we've made all the mistakes, still making them, but like. Um, I think all the grit we've learned as young fish, like fishermen, it's small business. It's the same. It's easy. Like I think Salmon Sisters would have died 
year one or two if we didn't have like the work ethic and just ability to like persevere um that we learned on the boat definitely i mean it's like it's a small yeah 100 Mm percent like the day the day-to-day grind is it's there's so much risk it's the same it's just the only thing we can do is like keep doing it and go back to our values and like find inspiration and like know that we're supporting this community like without that yeah wouldn't be what it is today sounds like fishing is the absolute top priority yeah and raising your family in that sense yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah would you change anything It'd be nice if we didn't get seasick, but we found a solution. You still get seasick? Always. We wear those scopalamine patches. It's not we, good. It's not good. <laughs> but we have for the last four or five years, and it has been a game Now, what is wear. this? They're oh, those, like, seasick. Medicated patch. You wear behind your what? ear. They're, they're strong. They're strong. Claire, it says right on the package, don't cut them in half. And Claire and I often do because they're yeah. so strong. So it helps with the seasickness, but it also mm-hmm. has, you know, it's like... What like, is, what it is comes it? with a list of side effects. Uh-oh. Yeah. I put it on the fridge this summer because I was like, they cause vomiting. Exactly. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I underline yeah. every single thing. <laughs> this is affecting me, but memory but loss been, is one. Yeah, memory loss is one. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, they're great, and we're just super fortunate. Um, like we we have had really really good crew like surrounding Emma and I and who have been patient and excited about Salmon Sisters who have helped us and a lot of like cousins who are coming up and we've been able to involve people in like both of our husband's families and um, yeah super lucky we have a big good support system. What, what size boat are you guys going out on? Yeah we. Let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Our parents have three 58 footers so we. Saners? Yeah one is the name is Stanley K which sains, and then Oracle and the Halcyon, Tender, and then do Whitefish in the winter. Um, so we get to work on Stanley K for halibut. And salmon. And salmon. Yeah. I sane on the Stanley yeah. K in the summers. Okay. And Emma runs yep. Skiff for them. Mm-hmm. And I, the Tender. Mm-hmm. I, get to, I have the privilege to do fish tickets and <laughs> our community <laughs> and all the things, and we love it. It's fun. It's really. Where fun. are you tendering at? In Prince William Sound. Okay. Yeah. yeah this is beautiful. It yeah. is so beautiful. You look up from your computer, or like you're just like, wait, wait, what? You like we get to work from here? Yeah. Very, very spoiled. Very fortunate. Well, anybody that gets to work in Alaska is yep. spoiled. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's you know, very true. No matter what kind of a job you got, when yeah. you walk outside and you look. Yeah. It's you crazy. Can't, can't beat it. I no. Know. You can't beat it. Yeah. Any any advice for? for young women that are looking to get into our industry. How do you how do you suggest they start? Um, I guess <laughs> if you know I think finding the right mentor is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, we obviously had great parents who taught us a lot and are still teaching us a lot, but if you're not born into a fishing family, I think really important to find someone who you can just ask questions to. Um, I know a lot of our friends who who didn't grow up in fishing families who have found people. Um, I'm just thinking of our friend Katie, who's run a set net site. Katie for, Birch. Yeah. For, yeah. For she is an incredibly years. powerful woman. Right. Yes. <laughs> and if anyone needs a mentor, they should seek her out. Yeah. Just someone who's raised a family on the beach, set netting. Someone who's uh, a partner to a fisherman. Someone who 
you know, knows how to fish. <laughs> knows she she how, runs that yeah, operation. It's amazing. Yeah. And Tom manages goes out the and crew. Trips. Yeah. Yeah. She's doing it all. She's yeah. got it. Yeah, Katie is incredible. To have a role model or find them, and I think those people really stand out in the industry. And if you, even if you're new to the industry, if you ask any fisherman, they can point you in the right direction. Yeah. I mean, it's we we all know someone. Right. Yeah. Like I know Katie. I didn't yeah. know you guys prior <laughs> yeah. to today. Yeah. But I know Katie. Yeah. Exactly. We we know Cameron. Yeah. It's Our community is so small. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. And they're just starting to gather the skills, like understanding if you like this is a profession and it is a job like maybe you could start like taking like hydraulics classes are offered at most community colleges or like starting to take yourself seriously as a young professional in this industry and you can start working towards like your like hundred ton license like learn the skill find a mentor and then maybe start like if in Alaska or in the Pacific Northwest, like working for fish and game or the processing sector or work administration in like an office. Like you will start to learn like the culture and the contacts and the people. Um, and I think like just starting from any like small route, you will be able to build it into like a possible opportunity to be on a boat. Um, and you just need to work really hard but also smart um and realize like you are in charge of your like this is silly but destiny like it's all the two all the things are available to you you just need to put it together um and there are a lot of young people if you wanted to reach out to for help um they are there they are people want to share and support and build this industry um and there is a neat opportunity in juno this coming year called the Alaska Young Fishermen Summit that is run by Sea Grant and we have participated and it is a phenomenal couple day program with like banks will come like lenders they will teach you how to be part of regulatory processes like your trade groups um, all the things yeah Mm -hmm. and then just look to like your like processors and people within the industry to learn Um, there's an incredible amount of information there and you just need to start somewhere i like to find a mentor yeah that's key and find a good one yeah totally um i feel like we've talked a lot about business and and not enough about personal um what would be your fondest memory Mm. of growing up in alaska your fondest memory Uh, i would just say not not a specific memory but just like summer days on our homestead where we would (laughs) <laughs> you know, we our house was up on the hill, so you had to walk up a trail. Boats going through False Pass off to pass right by our house. So, and it's really, you know, it's a narrow pass, and these big crab boats have to come through. And you can see the other side. And you see the other yeah. side, yeah. Um, yeah, I can, like, I can, I have a very vivid, like, sensory memories of just being up there, um, having salmon on the grill, having fishermen come over, just, like, anchor their boats right in front of the house, come up for dinner. And everyone's, like, so happy to get off the boat. Because most people who are salmon fishing out there in the summers don't have a place to get off the boat. So mm-hmm. that was really a really special part of having our homestead there, just having people, like, come come up for a rhubarb pie or come up and just, you know, have some – talk about fishing somewhere else. <laughs> rhubarb pie was – rhubarb growing uh, wild there? Yeah. yeah. Well, no. We had big you? patches. Patches, so. yeah. Yeah. Um, right, and then this – you know, ending the ending the day with a sauna and down the beach and having a bonfire. Just I think that's just, you know, Alaskan summer for many people is just a really special time. But 
sharing that with your family and yeah yeah what about what about yours i think mine would be like when it's like the last day of a long line trip and you're finally like cleaning up for the final time um and just like heading in to deliver and like usually at night but like just birds around and rolling by like the illusions like heading into like on a lot like actin dutch king cove like somewhere around there just seeing like the lights of town like heading in all all of that like mm-hmm. fish underneath taking care of perfect just that like finishing up a trip mm-hmm. um, yeah safe yeah. on your social yeah. media i see a lot of times you guys are cooking yeah. So when is the cookbook coming out? Oh yeah, yeah. it's coming. Oh, oh wait, there is one. There, there is, is one. one. <laughs> it's coming. Soon. Uh, <laughs> it's that was the just, that just wow. Yeah. I, I kind of expected it just because of the amount of pictures that you post yeah. of cooking yeah. and. Yeah, we've been working on a cookbook. Emma <laughs> has been working yeah. on this beautiful book for the last two or three years now. Yeah, two years. Books yeah. take a long time to mm-hmm. <laughs> to make, but. Because well, you got to cook it and eat it, too. Right, totally. Yeah. yeah, we're on our way. I think the book comes out first week of April. Okay. So not too far off. And we've written all the all the recipes are ones that we grew up cooking. So a lot of them um, were given to our mom and our parents from people in the village, or we learned, or... or from other boats. Other or fishermen. Mass hall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So is there rhubarb pie in there? Yes. There is. Yeah. yeah. The rhubarb custard pie is... What about the what about makes. the octopus? Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, we got something to look it's forward to. And it's a be- beautiful. There's a lot of Emma's illustrations and photos of Alaska and the Aleutians in there. Mm-hmm. And then, like, for your final edit this summer, the company who we're working with, they're incredible, but they're like, she needs to <laughs> turn this around quickly. And I'm like, well, okay. Emma mm-hmm. is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I haven't talked She's to her like in three weeks. She's off Unidad <laughs> Island. No and we somehow her. got it. It got to Cold Bay, and then it somehow got on tender to Emma. You made the edits needed to this huge stack that was sent to you. Yeah, and then there's this script hard whole copy. <laughs> ordeal of trying to find out how it never got out of false bath and it eventually did and over the radio it's like the book has left the book is coming <laughs> yeah. back so that's exciting it yeah is. it's very exciting i think it'll be really nice to have right we really love cooking that's something that, like uh, we do all the time on the boat and it's really a fun challenge on the boat to cook with what you have yeah. a lot of times it's just fish but then you have to figure out how to you know keep people excited make it taste good. make it taste good so yeah, they're fun recipes, and they're simple, and there's just mostly just seafood recipes, and, you know, if you have fresh fish, it's going to taste good. So sure. trying to help people just understand how simple it can be to eat eat wild fish. Yeah. Um, well, we should only be eating wild fish. Yeah, it's the best kind. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's going to be great to have that, have that book around, and can't wait to share it with people. It'll be really great. Really you want to give them your website for those that haven't? Yeah, yeah. Um, our website is aksalmonsisters.com. And the book will be on there in April. So, And we might do a launch party around Seattle and one in Alaska, too. So yeah. we'll, we'll keep you updated yeah. on that. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us? Mm-hmm. No, I just want to thank everyone. Like you, you have created Salmon Sisters. Like We're very lucky to be at the helm of it and like be able to create like the content or this beautiful book or sell fish and do everything but you are the ones who are doing all of the hard work and keeping everything going mm-hmm. um and just know that we understand like all the risk involved and like 
just really appreciate everything this industry has given to us and want to give everything back. Yeah. Anything to add? Yeah. <laughs> no, that, yeah, it's been a really, a treat to be on this podcast too. And we really yeah. love listening to the stories of other fishermen. So, um, yeah, as Claire said, we are very inspired by our community and it's things like this that help everyone connect to each other. So yeah, it yeah, is, really appreciate uh, it. you get passionate about yeah. what you're, what you're doing. I mean, um, this is, you guys will be 67, mm -hmm. number 67, or is it 68, 68. Um, so it's, it's an ongoing process, just yeah. like you guys have grown your business. Mm -hmm. Our, our listenership has grown the same way, yeah. but mostly it's organic. You know, it's from uh, interviewing somebody who then their friends and family listen to it. And mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's just how, how this grows. Yeah. Um, so I totally get when you say we first made our arts and craft t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> and friends and family around us wanted it. Yeah. And that's where, you know, that's where things start. Mm -hmm. But I thank you guys for taking the time yeah. to come down to the Gale today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thanks, Mark. This has been yeah, great. It has been wonderful. Thank you. And happy holidays to yeah. you and all. Everybody. <laughs> to everyone. Okay, guys. It's been another uh, installment of Galley Stories, and uh, we've had the Salmon Sisters, who are great. And uh, look up their website. Look for that cookbook. And don't forget to like and share this episode. And we'll see you guys next time. <laughs>